So, John, if you could name a virus after any city or place that you've been to, what would you name it and what would the symptoms be? I think it would have to be based on some childhood holidays of mine. It would be the Eastbourne virus. The Eastbourne virus? Yeah, and symptoms would be extreme boredom, suicidal tendencies and a kind of a grey pallor. Wow, you must have had a really weird childhood. I was going to say traumatic, but it also sounds boring. Just a very boring holiday destination. <laughs> Nothing to do in Eastbourne. I don't know why we ever went there. <laughs> it was probably cheap, John. Uh, yes, that is almost certainly the the, the right answer. Yeah. <laughs> very good. Welcome, everybody, to Beyond the Box Set, the podcast where today we are picturing prequels, sequels, and spin-offs to Outbreak, part of our little very mini virus season. Don't worry, we're not doing any more after this. Yeah, can we move on, please? This is just getting a bit too real at this point, (laughs) especially after this film, which, you know, we thought Contagion was accurate. I mean, my God. This one's built in realism. Anyway, so uh, we'll also be picturing some drinking games and hearing from our listeners with the submissions they've posted on our social media profiles. But first, we're going to talk about some of our favourite bits from this film, give a bit of a plot summary. Um, I'm Harry, the host with the most. Pets. Pets? Oh, because the Pets. monkey. Yeah. I mean, we're both. Yeah. I've got two goldfish, you have one dog. Oh, yeah, but there's all the spiders that I don't tell Louise about. Oh, fair enough, sure. Are they web designers? Sorry, <laughs> yes, I heard they that are. joke today. I just... Yeah, believe me, John, I've, I've never heard that joke like every week since I became a web designer. Sorry. And joining me as always, the host with clearly the worst jokes... It's John Lucas. I've been trapped in my, on my own for like a week. You got to give cut me some slack here. All we've got, at work, all we're doing at work is trading dad jokes. That's all we're doing to keep ourselves sane. So, wow, maybe you could and do some work, and then that might help. Oh, trust me, I'm doing some work as well. I've never been busier. <laughs> this whole isolation thing was a complete swizz. I've literally never been busier at work. Yeah. Oh dear. Yeah. So, what do you think of this movie then? Outbreak. Well, first of all, should we explain how things are a little bit different this week? Oh yeah, sure. So this is our first episode of recording remotely, so the audio may sound a little bit different, mainly for me. I mean, John's still at his regular dining table there. I'm in bed, and this yeah, is how he's episodes... achieved his podcast dream. He is now recording from bed. This is how episodes are going to be for the foreseeable. I'm just going to be in bed. It's going to be great. <laughs> well, it... have you left your bed today? Yeah. All right. I mean, I've left the house twice. Actually, I went to the shop. It was very stressful. Hmm. Okay. Well. I take it back. <laughs> uh, sure. So, Outbreak then. What do you think? Outbreak, yeah. This film was the 90s in a bottle. Oh, was wasn't like it just? Primo 90s action schlock of the kind that I just have all the time for. Yeah. Like, this is totally in the realms of, like, True Lies and Air Force One. This, the kind of action films that I really like, I think that you... Maybe you see that in stuff like Skyscraper, obviously. Mm-hmm. These are the ones for me that I just, I cannot get enough of them. Mm. They are yeah. just so stupid, and enjo- but so enjoyably so. Over the top, completely silly. Yeah, oh, Absolutely. The dialogue was a treat. <laughs> <laughs> I've yeah. got a long list of quotes. We'll get through them as we do the plot summary. But this film, yeah, I, I had nothing but fun watching this, which mm-hmm. is, you know, considering the circumstances is pretty impressive. But. Yeah, I think it's a very good film to watch at this time because it's just poking fun at, at what's going on right now, basically. 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, obviously, it didn't know that's what it was doing. I, I think this film thought it's. I think this film thinks it's a serious like drama. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I this film probably thinks it is Contagion, mm-hmm. and you know, Contagion. We poked fun out of Contagion, but it's certainly not trying to be silly. No, this one, like, oh, it's it, it's great. It's just such stupid fun that is kind of appropriate to what's going on in the world right now. Sure. Yeah. I think I feel if anything I feel less anxious about the whole oh, yeah, coronavirus me too. situation having watched something this stupid. Like, exactly. Yeah. That's what I was trying to get at. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I feel like Contagion obviously didn't spend a lot of time trying to be as historically or scientifically accurate as possible, and I do not think this film tried to do that for a second. No. I don't think a single no, medical professional was consulted on the making of this film. Well, they had to they, they had a lot about going on about patient zero. Well, yeah, I mean, okay, there's, they've got the bare bones, they've got the dialogue, you know, but that's, yeah. in terms of, like, how science works, how vaccines work, how mm-hmm. disease work, how time works, <laughs> just, just no. No. It's no. not there. But all the better for it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay, so, shall I get into a plot summary, or? You take it away. Okay, so this film starts in, is it the 70s? Or the, the 60s? 60s. It's the 60s. It's the, late, it's the late 60s in an army base in somewhere in Africa. Uh, it's in what is now the Democratic Republic of Congo, I think. At the time, it was called Zaire. Yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so some people land in hazmat suits um, to come and investigate in this village, and basically everybody's dying of disease. Pretty much, yeah. It's pretty rough, actually, especially as. Oh no! Wait a minute. I've skipped over a little bit here. Sorry, I'm just still remembering this. It starts off with just like three or four characters in a plane, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, I think so. Well, the, the first scene is in the village. Yeah, you've got. Is it Donald? It, it is supposed to be Donald Sutherland and Morgan Freeman in those hazmat suits, right? Is it? I assumed so. Like the young versions of them. Sure. Yeah. No. I, I mean, I we never see the faces. Sense. They they never get out of the hazmat suits at this part of the film, presumably because they couldn't de-age them thirty years because this was before CGI. But yeah. Well, either way, there's one person who's really cocky about everything, but he's brand new, mm-hmm. and everyone's saying like. Hey, like, don't get too confident about this. This is going to scare you shitless. Wait, isn't that what happens to Cuba Gooding Jr. in the laser scene? Are you getting mixed up? Oh, I'm getting mixed up. You're getting fully mixed up. That's later. Are you sure? Because he takes yeah. his helmet off and then they're like, oh, no, don't worry, it's not airborne. Yeah, that's Cuba Gooding Jr. That's later. Is it? Oh, yes. Okay. That, that, does, that does not happen at this point in the film. Oh, okay, sure. Um, maybe you should do this. What? Are you, have you lost the thread already? Yeah, I, th- I think I have. Okay, sure. I'll take it from here. Um, okay, so yeah, as as you mentioned, the film opens in 1967, I believe, in what was then Zaire, or in Africa, uh, and there is some fight. Well, we open we open strong because the first shot is full monkey scream. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just full monkey scream opening shot, and I knew straight away this film's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. So then we cut to some not so fun stuff though, when we get the guys in the hazmat suits who are investigating a, I guess a US army base, but it seems to be in a village in Africa. So there's a, there's a lot of American soldiers and also a lot of villagers, I think, all of whom are dying of this horrendous looking disease. And we get to see what happens to them when they die. They get a lot of terrible 90s makeup put on their faces. They look like extras from The Walking Dead, uh, but they look very, very ill basically. Yeah. And so they're walking around saying, you know, you're not going to die, we're going to save you, but first we just need to take a blood sample, which is foreshadowing for later. And then they, they, these two mysterious figures in hazmat suits, they leave the camp, fly off and promise to deliver much-needed medical supplies very shortly. 
so then they fly off and then an airplane follows immediately afterwards and drops some kind of container which all the soldiers and the medical staff in this village they assume is going to be medical like supplies, supplies. Yeah. yeah 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 so they're all cheering waving the american flag usa usa and then suddenly we get the one main guy his eyes narrow and we suddenly realize oh no they've been tricked and then the entire village is just obliviated it's like it's nuked it's gone it's wiped off the face of the earth yeah completely yeah so then we smash cut to 30 years later mm-hmm. we're now in 90s present day so like mm-hmm. 1995 uh, and we meet up with our lead character, who is played by Dustin Hoffman, mm-hmm. who has the incredibly generic name of, like, Sam Daniels or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, they could not have tried less, but whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so he is... We, we meet him. He's he's washing his dogs. He's a family. We find out that he is a medical researcher or something, or some kind of scientist working in, like, biohazard, extreme biohazard. Mm-hmm. But what we pick up on him, he gets a call that there's been a new outbreak in Africa again, and he needs to go and investigate it. Uh, so he uh, very hurriedly drops off his his two loyal dogs at uh, his ex wife's oh, or yeah. his soon to be ex wife's house. Uh, this mm-hmm. is Rene Russo. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know about you, but I was super invested in this relationship. Why? Could not have cared more. It was just <laughs> so, just really edge of the. I really felt for those crazy kids. I just really wanted them to get back together. You know, you've been sarcastic. A little bit, yeah. Okay. This relationship was garbage. Who cares? <laughs> Waste of time. Didn't matter. Yeah. But he drops the dogs off at her place, then jets out to Africa with Cuba Gooding Jr. and mm-hmm. Kevin Spacey. So Cuba Gooding Jr. plays the role of fresh-faced new soldier, you know. Yeah. And Kevin Spacey plays the role of sassy, ambiguously gay best friend. Mm-hmm. Classic Kevin Spacey role. They fly out to Africa, and the bit that you were referring to earlier, this is when Dustin Hoffman's like, so you know, this is going to be really rough, right? To Cuba Gooding Jr. He's like, you know, you've got to prepare yourself. This is going to be hard. And Cuba Gooding Jr. is like, no, I've read about this. I know what's going to happen. It's absolutely fine. I am ready. As soon as he gets into a tent with all the sick people, what does he do? He vomits and throws off his helmet. Well, I mean, he he does see something that is horrific. Yes, he he does. He he peels back this mosquito net or something. Mm -hmm. And he sees a, a kid who might be like four or something like that who's just sitting there with his two dead parents and the kid is very clearly very diseased as well and is probably going to die soon. And it's a very, very horrific shot. It is, yeah, but still, he could not have reacted to it worse. No, no. Like, he vomits into his own suit and then everyone's like, keep your suits on, keep your suits on. He just pulls it off, breathes in all the germ-infected air. Mm. But then one of the relief workers comes in and says, don't worry, it's not airborne. Yeah. And they just take that entirely at face value. They like, really okay, cool. do, don't they? They all instantly take off their suits. Yeah, and then Dustin Hoffman's like clapping Cuba Gooding Jr. on the back. The sharing mm-hmm. can find spaces. Mm-hmm. Madness. Yeah. Madness. One thing I noticed in a lot of this was, despite the situation going on, whenever anybody met each other for the first time, even if they're still working for, you know, the army or the health organization, I don't know, they're all still shaking hands. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they're all just acting like normal, but like, you wouldn't, like we do now know, that's just not how it would go. No, self-isolation does not happen in this movie to any point. They all wear hazmat nah. suits and that's it. Like, yeah. And even then, it really made me laugh when they were just like, they would walk out of like a high, high risk area and they just pull the mask off before they even walked out of the room. Like, just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like in reality, they'd have to step into like a, a, a chemical shower. Mm. Well, they do at some point in the film. There's one point when that comes up, but for the yeah. most part, they're just like, well, I'm, I'm clocking off now. Bye, babes. And just, mm-hmm. they just fling their hazmat suits off willy nilly. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, 
So, yeah, we get some a bit of in- information from the relief worker. He's explaining what happened, how this mysterious virus has struck the village and it's killing everyone within 24 hours. There was a 100% mortality rate. Mm-hmm. So not a good prognosis for anyone who gets it. And then there's a weird, slightly racist little moment where he's, they point out some weird African guy kind of dancing on a clifftop and they go, who's mm. that? He's like, that's the Juju man. Yeah. <laughs> and he, yeah. He said it's, it's bad luck to cut down trees. And I was like, oh, okay, so this is going to be one of those films where... You know, na- this is nature's revenge. It's, you know, it's yeah. like life finds a way. No, yeah. that guy never comes back. No, he doesn't, does he? They completely drop that. Even when Dustin Hoffman's like, I need to speak to him. It's yeah. like, he, he never does. No. Does he live? Does he die? We do not know. No, it, it, it's weird that it never comes up again. No. But so anyway, so then Dustin Hoffman and Cuba Gooding Jr., they fly back to America and they mm-hmm. debrief Morgan Freeman, who mm. plays Dustin Hoffman's commanding officer, I guess. Yeah, an army general, I think. Army general, basically, yeah. For yeah. some reason, this very high security debrief about a potentially deadly pandemic that Dustin Hoffman has been investigating takes place just at a garden party, at a yeah. fancy garden party at Dustin yeah. Hoffman's mansion. Yeah, Morgan Freeman's mansion, I should say. Yeah. Yeah, it's so weird. They're just walking around all these, like, Dustin Hoffman has literally just hopped off the helicopter. He's still wearing his, like, his army duds. and. Yeah. I think Morgan Freeman says something like, you smell like a goat. <laughs> or something ridiculous. But then, yeah, there's all these like fancy guests in like evening wear just wandering around in total earshots. Yeah. And Dustin Hoffman's just giving all this very sensitive information, like, this could kill millions. And then Morgan Freeman's like, no, you were wrong before. It's fine. Imagine being at that party and just hearing like snippets of that conversation. Be like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't understand why that wasn't just said. They had to build that set. There was no... Nothing else happened at that party. Why was it at a party? I didn't understand. Was there a scene that got caught? No, I don't know. Uh... Anyway, so then Morgan Freeman's kind of like, no, you know, you've been alarmist before. I'm sure it's not as bad as you said it's going to be. He's just really trying to sweep it under the carpet, basically. But Dustin Hoffman's convinced. He's really convinced this is the big one and we need to prepare. Meanwhile, back in Africa, Mm -hmm. Marcel the monkey from Friends is kidnapped by smugglers. He gets captured in a net. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he is shipped to America. Or she is shipped to America, I should say. Yeah. Oh, is it a she? Yeah, that's a whole plot point. Because that's when... So basically, Marcel uh... the Monkey is shipped to America and then sold to baby Patrick Dempsey, who is playing the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. His character is 90s kid. Yeah. Uh, but he seems to be some kind of black market monkey trader. That seems to be his job. Yeah, maybe. He, he basically sells the monkey to a pet store. Mm-hmm. And then the pet, the guy at the pet store is like, no, I don't want that monkey. It's a female monkey. We've already got a female. We wanted a mm. male. Yeah. So Patrick Dempsey has to take the monkey away, but not before Marcel has scratched the pet store owner, mm. which uh, foreshadowing. There's also mm. another monkey in the pet store who becomes important later. And I think they share a banana. I think that's what happens. Yes. Yes, that's right. Because that monkey also gets sick. Spoiler That alert. monkey also gets sick and just dies. Like, that. that's it. No, no, it, it doesn't die, does it? That's the monkey that gets vaccinated. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Uh, yeah, I didn't put two and two together on that one. Yeah. Okay. I, I will say this film starts off really simple and then gets super unnecessarily complicated. Yeah. But we'll, we'll get to that when it comes. But yeah. yeah, so Patrick Dempsey has to now take the monkey and he decides to release it into the wild, but not before he drives it in his car and it literally spits water into his face. Yes. <laughs> so we're beginning to see a pattern here of what's, you know, what's going to happen. Yeah. Patrick Dempsey is essentially Gwyneth Paltrow in this movie. (laughs) Yeah. So he releases Marcel into the wild, into the woods in California. And then he gets a flight immediately to Boston. 
Mm-hmm. And on the flight, he gets super sick. He gets really, really sweaty. A little kid in a cowboy outfit comes up and tries to steal his cookie. And his mum kind of like hurriedly shoves him away. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, eat the cookie. It's fine. I don't want to get in trouble with the law. <laughs> like, while literally like dripping with sweat. Yeah, he, he looks disgusting. He did. They did a good, bad job of just putting all the makeup onto these sick people. Like, Yeah. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, but yeah, then he lands and meets his girlfriend at the airport and she's like, you look absolutely terrible. And he says, I feel absolutely terrible. And he's still like sodden with sweat. He looks absolutely at death's door. But of course, they go full in for kiss. A full snog. Full snog. Like, why would like, you? Like, like they, don't, they don't even start with a mouth closed kiss. They just go full <laughs> on like mouth open, tongues out, straight into each other. Yeah, there's not even any build up. You're right. No. It's, just like, it's like they're two fish just going at each other. <laughs> yeah. <It's crazy>. yeah. <laughs> So she does that, and then he immediately collapses, mm-hmm. goes to the hospital, mm-hmm. and very shortly he expires, and that is the end of Patrick Dempsey in this movie. Mm-hmm. But not before uh, Renee Russo, who we mentioned earlier was Dustin Hoffman's ex-wife, but is also some kind of higher-up scientist, medical mm-hmm. person. I-, I lost track of what all the roles were. She gets wind of this, and she flies out to Boston to investigate, and she discovers that Patrick Dempsey and his girlfriend are both dying very quickly of this disease. Mm. The girlfriend also dies, and then they perform an autopsy on him, I think. Mm. And then she's like, my God, his vital organs have been liquefied. <laughs> yeah, I remember that one from watching this as, as a child. Just like, that sounds ridiculous. Oh, you, I, I forgot to ask. You saw this as a kid? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure about how old I was, but uh, yeah, I, I saw this at an age where it really scared me. You were legit scared of this. Okay, this is my first time, so I didn't get that experience. Oh, yeah, I was terrified of monkeys. Oh, it was the monkeys you were scared of? Okay, you thought they were going to pass it on? Yeah, I, well, I guess, I don't know. I think I was just scared of the concept as opposed to, like, monkeys passing on disease. I was just like, oh, my God, that monkey is scary for whatever reason. I don't know. Oh, I see. Okay, just monkeys as a concept frightened you. Yeah, I think monkeys is screaming is just a very scary looking little, little, little thing. It is quite, yeah. No, it's not really still the case. Okay. We've passed that now. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've grown up. I've matured. Oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> so Renee Russo, then she like sounds the alarm uh, that there's potentially a pandemic situation. Mm-hmm. But so she's, she's monitoring that very carefully to make sure it hasn't spread beyond these two people. And so far it hasn't. Well, you've you've already skipped over a bit where Dustin Hoffman has been saying that there's that something's gonna something's gonna go wrong, and you know it's gonna be very very bad, and. He's telling Rene Russo this, despite the fact that they're getting divorced, they still have some sort of a professional relationship. Sure. And, uh, yeah, so he's telling her all these things, and she's like, well, what proof do you have? He's like, I don't need proof, I have a hunch. Oh, oh, yeah, that's, I wrote down like five quotes just from that one scene alone. That was like the peak <laughs> of the bad quotes. So, yeah, he says that. He also says, I'm faxing you the whole epidemic. <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> and then he says something like, he's he's been testing the virus on some animals some test animals yeah and he's like all oh, the animals died and then renee russo just screams of course they're all dead sam you're stuck with the same needle <laughs> <laughs> that whole yeah that entire scene was priceless i mm-hmm. had a lot of fun with that little argument robbie, robbie you gotta tell him to send out an alert no sam i won't jesus why are you fighting me on this no sam i'm not gonna base one of my first official decisions on a hunch when the army won't back you it's not a hunch i'm faxing you the whole epidemic robbie i got a lab full of dead animals here <laughs> 
There's no response to intravenous recyclable. Ribavirin, okay? They're all dead. Of course they're all dead, Sam. You stuck them with the same needle. Where's the evidence that it's coming here? I don't need evidence. I got a feeling, okay? Oh, you got a feeling. Okay, yeah. you know what, Sam? Your feeling is in my notes. Robbie, this is not complicated. It's very simple. This thing kills everything in its path. Just tell them to put out an alert. You know, this is starting to sound familiar. Is that an order, Colonel Daniels? I cannot believe you're taking a deadly virus and turning it into a family matter. This is not personal, Sam. Robbie, I, look, I can't, I can't do this back and forth. Once in your life, take a chance. You know what, Sam? I did. I married you. But yes, so she's kind of monitoring to make sure no one else gets sick, and she so, initially, so, so, ultimately, she didn't believe that anything was going to happen. No, even though he was giving all these warnings of like the worst thing in the world happening, and then mm. suddenly it starts to happen, and she's yes, involved in it. Essentially, yeah, but it hasn't happened yet. So no. she's because she's monitoring uh, the situation in Boston, where she thinks is where it's going to be, mm-hmm. and then they get like they pass like the twenty-four hour mark or whatever when nobody else shows any symptoms, and then yeah. she goes, "We made it, guys! It's okay!" And then all the all the scientists just like have a paper flinging party. Yeah, it's it, it's like they just they've just saved Apollo thirteen. <laughs> yeah, but they all, I just love that really nineties thing of this this control room all just flinging their papers into the air. Like who does that? Yeah, like surely you still need those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, you know, for archiving well, and stuff, whatever. All right. you have to do is pick them up again, yeah. But then as they're doing that, we see that the fax machine of doom light up and it sends a, an update from California where the pets... For a minute, I thought that they were going to miss the fax. Really? When, 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 when the fax comes and they're all partying, I was like, did anybody hear that fax? That's, that's, that's an important fax. Well, Harry, this is the joy of the fax machine. You can't miss a fax because it's a physical object. You yes, can miss but... the call, but the fax will still be there. That's true. That is true. Mm. Um... Bring back the fax machine, I say. No. Un- underrated method of communication. No. I think we should podcast by fax. H- how? Oh, God, no. No, that'd be really boring. We just read out each other's thoughts, you know. You send me yours, I'll send you mine. So it, we basically just be having a texting conversation. But really slowly. But with really a lot of slowly, wasted paper. With a lot of wasted paper. Mm-hmm. And then, what, would we be broadcasting that somehow? We'd still record it via fax. We could send out to our our, our listeners via fax. So th- they'd all need fax machines, which Look, doesn't sound achievable. I'm just saying nobody's doing this, and this feels like a gap in the market. Yeah, you're not wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think I am. But also you are wrong, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway. So she gets this fax, they get this that's, fax. That's, saying, that's not going to make the uh, non-extended cut of this episode, is it? <laughs> No, that's definitely one just for the Patreons. Enjoy, Julio. Um, so, yes, so she gets this fact that there has been an outbreak of 15 people in California. And then we see that the pet store owner who got scratched earlier on, he fell sick. He, he very dramatically collapses onto a shelf full of goldfish tanks or fish tanks. Mm-hmm, yeah. And then he goes into cardiac arrest. We get a very dramatic hospital scene where the doctor's like, God damn it, you're going to live, Rob. And- <laughs> And then uh, somebody, we get some some like lab technician is taking blood samples after he's died, and in a very in a scene that made me howl with laughter, the lab te- just because it escalated so quickly, the lab guy's kind of like half paying attention to his oh yeah centrifuge the centrifuge for the blood and yeah. half listening to the, the the new Lakers game or whatever, yeah. and then something catches on something and then the, the blood just spurts. All over his face. Oh well, no, he he uh, he opens the lid to the centrifuge and without turning it off, without thinking. Ah, uh, yeah. He goes to grab one of the test tubes, but you know they're spinning round at I don't know how many revs, like 
maybe hundreds of revs. I don't really know what centrifuges do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it just explodes everywhere. Probably, you know, potentially breaks a finger. Probably at least cuts open a finger and yeah. sprays loads of blood in his face, all over the room, in his open <laughs> eyes, in his mouth. And this is like actively diseased blood. Yeah, and then so he and obviously... So, I, I, I will I'll always remember that because shortly after watching that, I went to work experience um, with my sister in her biochemistry lab. Uh-huh. And they had centrifuges there, and I used one, and I was terrified of it. Oh, my God, really? <laughs> but uh, now they don't make centrifuges that you can still open the lid while it's spinning. That's, I think that's an improvement. Yeah, it feels like they should have, should have done that right away. It doesn't feel like that's a difficult thing to to build. Yeah, well, you know, until you don't know until you know, do you? You know, like, you can't open a washing machine when it's still spinning, can you? Good point, yeah. So, but I'm sure somebody did, and that's when they decided we need a better door for these washing machines. Yeah, I guess. We need idiot-proof locking washing machines, and I need idiot-proof centrifuges. So yep. that's technology, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's understandably quite concerned. But then the chief medical guy at his hospital is like, you'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Take your girlfriend out for a, for a nice meal. Mm-hmm. So he does. They go to the cinema to watch something. And then... He's just coughing and hacking and wheezing all over the cinema. We get the classic, like, green cloud of doom passing all over the different punters watching the film. Mm-hmm. And he staggers out all sweaty and he just shoves his way through this giant queue of people, just heavy breathing on all of them, collapses to the ground, cries out, mm-hmm. water! And then he also very rapidly dies. Yes. And this happens in a t- little town called Cedar Falls, I think. Yeah. Which then becomes, like, the epicenter of the disease. Yeah. Because I guess that the ones who died in Boston, Jimbo and his girlfriend, they just it just didn't pass on. No, I think that that one it hadn't yet mutated. Okay, so, so between so, them so, and because him, because the the one of the guy in the cinema by that point it had mutated to become airborne. That's the thing, yeah. Because then they are operating under the assumption that it's not airborne, so that mm. if they just isolate people and don't let them touch each other, then it'll be okay. Yeah. But then someone in the same wing of the hospital gets it, who's not had any contact, and then they realise it's in the air vents. Mm. And um, yes, yeah. yeah, so it's that gone was, airborne. That was the scene I didn't need. <laughs> I don't like, think that's how d- it works. D- 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 Dustin Hoffman working out that wait a minute, this room's got an air vent in it, and then mm. there's a CGI like camera going through the air vents, you know, like a rat or something. And then you come through and you see Dustin Hoffman appear in the ward, look up. <gasps> this room's got an air vent as well. <laughs> <laughs> he connected the dots. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, the, like, the, we didn't need that. This film leaves nothing to chance in terms of subtlety. Like, no. <laughs> it really makes sure you know. Like, yeah. But yeah. yeah, apparently, so this is when they figure out that there has been a mutation of the virus that they first discovered. Mm. And there's now, the, and this is where the film weirdly just gets needlessly complicated, I think. Mm-hmm. So now there's two strands of it. There is the non-airborne version, the original, and there is also the airborne version, which is now sweeping through this town, essentially, and yeah. killing people at a massive rate. So... Justin Hoffman tells Morgan Freeman, who races over to the town and tries to use the vaccine that he mm-hmm. has had all along. He's had a vaccine for the non-airborne one the whole time. And this is when Justin Hoffman realises the American government are using this disease as a biological weapon. So, yeah, the original virus, when they nuked the town back in the 60s, when they took that soldier's blood, that was because they had to, they wanted a sample of the virus that they could use as a weapon that they've had on lockdown ever since. And now to, they've developed a vaccine to that, but this vaccine doesn't work for this new strand that's killing all the people in Cedar Falls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. A little bit complicated, but essentially that's where we're at here. Yeah. So 
Dustin Hoffman realizes now that there's something, there's some kind of weird cover up with the military and they're involved in this somehow. Meanwhile, he's still trying to figure out how to get a cure, isn't he? Or he needs, to tr- he's trying to trace the. Let me just look at my notes. This this was complicated. Oh, that's okay. So yeah, so it's spreading through the town. The town goes into military lockdown. Uh, we meet Donald Sutherland, who is, I guess, our villain mm-hmm. of the film. Mm-hmm. He's got the haircut of pure villainy. He's <laughs> he's just he's, he's he's your classic villainous army major, and he's just all about incinerating the town. He's like yeah. he, he just wants to watch. He just wants to watch the world burn. I think like he Pretty just much. wants to. He, he immediately goes to right. Okay, we've got a viral outbreak. Just burn them all. Just burn the whole town. Just yeah, like, bomb it down. He has no room for any other options. It's just like no, burn it, burn them all. Mm-hmm. Bear in mind, this is like American soil. This is like American citizens. It's like it's crazy. Yeah, but he, this this is his answer, and, that, and he's sticking to it. Uh, meanwhile, so Marsh, so the the army roll into this town to kind of control the spread to make sure it doesn't spread beyond this small town. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it goes into complete lockdown. It's a, it's a little bit hauntingly familiar, mm-hmm. and people do not take this very well at all. They start to immediately panic. And we get some great scenes of some local yokels trying to drive out local of the town. Local yokels. Lo- they, were, they were full yokels. They had mullets. These people had mullets. <laughs> they were giving it full... They had shotguns and mullets. They were giving it full yokel. Yeah, sure. They were trying to drive out past the quarantine zone and get out of Dodge, basically. And mm-hmm. then there's the whole standoff where they start shooting at the helicopter and the mm-hmm. helicopter just blows them up. It's mm-hmm. madness. Yeah, it was very intense. And they're followed yeah. by another family... Well, an- another truck that's got like two parents kids, and two kids yeah. in it, and <laughs> I don't know. I found that very intense as well. Just like when they get stopped by the army, just the car in front of them has literally just been blown up with people inside it, with civilians inside it. Yeah. His family just gets stopped. There's men pointing guns at them and everything. The parents are holding holding the kids. The kids are both crying, and I'm I'm just thinking like, yeah, that's what you, you deserve that. <laughs> Yeah, they got everything they deserved, 100%. Yeah, exactly. Like, you you were warned. Yeah, so Dustin Hoffman is trying to figure out... He needs to find out where this disease originated. He needs to find that kind of the patient zero kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So he's tracing it back and tracing it back. Meanwhile, Rene Russo and Kevin Spacey, they both get infected. So that Mm -hmm. adds a little bit of tension. Mm -hmm. Well, Kevin Spacey gets infected in a very silly way where he just rips his hazmat suit. Yeah. Which is kind of foreshadowed earlier at one point when Dustin Hoffman's putting his hazmat suit on. I think it was him. With these hazmat suits made out of crepe paper, they seem to just rip at the drop of a hat. You'd think they'd be pretty yeah. sturdy. Yeah. Because, like, in an earlier scene, I think Dustin Hoffman's putting his suit on, and then I think it's Kevin Spacey says, oh my god, your sleeve's ripped. Yeah. And and then he just, he puts a single sheet of duct tape on it. Yeah. And hey, that's it. If duct tape like can't Dwayne fix it, well... Said, yeah. <laughs> but at this point, they're literally in a room where the walls are covered in hazmat suits. Mm-hmm. Like behind them, there is a row of hooks with hazmat suits on it. If your hazmat suit has a rip in it, 
and you're dealing with a potentially world-ending virus, just get a new hazmat suit. Yeah. Just put on a new one. <laughs> That's one thing I noticed in Contagion last week was that uh, before putting the hazmat suits on, they would inflate them and check. Like, mm. is this thing airtight? Yeah. Which, you know, was a, was a good little detail that I'm glad that they included. This one, no, just like, just cover yourself in duct tape, that'll probably do it. Well, maybe, like washing machines and centrifuges, <laughs> they invented this feature of you know inflating them because too many stupid scientists were just tearing them by walking away without unhooking themselves. Yeah, yeah. Then they decided, you know what, we're going to do this inflation test and we're going to stop making our hazmat suits out of crepe paper. Yeah. It's just not hard enough, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Kevin Spacey gets um, infected. He goes downhill very rapidly. Mm. And then Renee Russo is trying to give him an injection to calm him down, like a sedative, and her finger slips or something. Or no, he, he's he's like hemorrhaging so hard, he's convulsing so hard. Sorry, mm, that's it. Yeah, that she she accidentally slices through her gloves, which are also made of crepe paper, I guess, <laughs> and uh, cuts her finger, and then she's also infected. Yeah, she essentially injects herself with the same needle she was just injecting him with. Yeah, so she's also. Pretty much a goner soon. So mm-hmm. now everyone Dustin Hoffman loves has essentially got mm-hmm. this disease. So he's racing against time. Yeah. So him and Cuba Cooding Jr., they jump this in a helicopter. This is the best bit of the film. The crappy jump onto the boat. It's just when Dustin Hoffman and Cuba Gooding, Cuba Gooding Jr. just go and run some errands in a helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> For like 45 minutes. Yeah, it really does go on, doesn't it? Yeah. It's so good. Don't look like airborne scavenger hunts. Yeah, 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 pretty much, yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. And then, of course, that culminates in a helicopter chase. There was a really good action scene. Yeah, well, first of all, they fl- they fly out to a Chinese boat. Yes. Well, they, they, they found out where the monkey came from. That's it, yes. They trace the monkey back to the pet store and then find out it was smuggled. Yeah, they, ha- they, have, to go into, they have to go into some office somewhere and say, like, oh, what do they say? Like, hey, I'm with disease control. Yeah. And they have to shout it just to get themselves to the front of the line. Just like, hey, I'm with disease control. I was just wearing a hazmat suit. I might be diseased. Stay away from me. And like, it, it just works. Yeah. Yeah. And then Dustin Hoffman chats somebody up and uh, she gives him some papers. Surely you've got something to say about that, John. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll say well, one of my drinking games is for like one scene characters really going for it. But I mean, she really, <laughs> there was so much in this film, but she, she is the peak of that. Mrs. Pananinus, she was called. Yeah, Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. Pananinus. Mrs. Panini. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, she was taking every second of that scene. That She, she has, like, all of two lines in the film. Yeah. She's like, I know a guy on Coast Guard. How well do you know him? Better than his wife would have liked. Yeah. Oh, what a dirty bitch. <laughs> <laughs> she was great. Yeah, you know she was good. Oh, I, I was like, I recognise that woman and I don't know where from. And I looked yeah. it up. So this film was directed by a guy called Wolfgang Peterson, who also directed, the next one we did after this was Air Force One. Mm. Makes sense. Not a big surprise. Very similar tone, those yeah. these films. Uh, and she was the lady in Air Force One. Who Wait, was she going like, close? No, she was not going close, no. <laughs> Uh, such a transformative actress. She's a chameleon. No, she was my favourite supporting character in that film when, do you remember the bit where Harrison Ford phones the White House from a public line from the airport to try and complain? And he's like, I'm the President of the United States. You need to put me in touch with the Secretary of State. And Mm. she's like, yeah, and I'm the first lady, bitch. She was the (laughs) sassy receptionist. Oh, brilliant. She definitely has a type, that lady. Yeah. She's a classic character actress type. So, yeah. 
But yeah, so they then end up flying the helicopter to this Chinese boat that's on the ocean somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that's when we get the amazing, truly, I think, of all the crappy action movies I've ever seen, it is the crappiest action jump from a helicopter I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> they could have done like a wider shot where you could see like... Okay, if he fall, he's got like a twenty meter drop underneath him. I could like make cold, that jump. Choppy water, and there's so much build up to this jump, and it's nothing. They they, no. they could have had it that like the helicopter blades very close to cutting through ropes, and like maybe it does cut through a rope or two. And Cuba Gooding Jr. goes, "Whoa, that was too close," or something, and so mm. he has to do it like a. Oh, I I don't know. Maybe they should have done like a running jump where like he can only make it, but Cuba Gooding Jr. needs to like fly the boat really fast. So he mm. has like momentum and then like pull up at last minute just as Dustin Hoffman jumps out. That'd be a good jump and that'd be a stupid piece of action. It'd suit it would, this really well. I this could was make so the, underwhelming. I could have made the jump that Dustin Hoffman makes in the scene. Like that's yeah. how bad it is. Like yeah. it just floats. It's just the air the helicopter just kind of floats right next to it and he just kind of goes, oop, and he just pops over. Like, yeah. I can only assume, I don't know, they should have just used a stunt double, like you said, but I can only assume it's because Dustin Hoffman at this point, I mean, he's, not, he's never been really an action kind of guy, um, but also he he already was like pushing 70 at this point. He's like 82 mm. now, so he was already like, you know, in his mid early to mid 60s. Yeah. So I just think he wasn't able to do much more of a jump than that. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess. Because this movie was actually supposed to star Harrison Ford. Oh right, okay. And he he couldn't make he couldn't make the time work or something, and mm. so Dustin Hoffman came on quite late. And I f- I feel like this film is more of a Harrison Ford film than a Dustin Hoffman film. Mm, yeah, I think so. I think it would have just had that little veneer of like cool, whereas Dustin Hoffman's just a bit grumpy. Yeah, I feel like he's not really engaged with this kind of material very much. Like he's fine, but he's not the most fun in this film. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Harrison Ford would have been, been a bit more you know charismatic, and yeah, he would have made definitely. made the jumps. He would have definitely done some of those stunts. So yeah. Anyway, so he does that, and then through that, they find out that the monkey was smuggled in from... Um, well, they find out it was a monkey, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they find out that, the, that this boat was used to smuggle monkeys, and then so they go back to America, break into a TV studio, and like do a li- interrupt a live broadcast of the news, and like, look, if anyone in this town has seen a monkey, <laughs> it's this monkey. It looks like this, and they heard about a picture of a monkey. I loved it, because it was so ridiculous. <laughs> It was ridiculous. And then just to add to the ridiculousness, then we cut to um, Suburban Mom, who's like just making a, making a pie, just doing Suburban Mom stuff. She's got hand, yeah. plates in both hands and she looks at the fridge and she, she sees her daughter's drawn a really crappy little hand-drawn it's picture. very crude drawing. Of a monkey. And then she just looks out the window and sees her little girl wandering into the garden and then she just fully screams, flings both dishes into the air and just... <laughs> If you have time, go back. Not now, but when you finish this, what? Go back and just watch the way she exits this the frame in that scene. It is one of the funniest things I've seen in ages. She goes "Whoa!" and just screams, runs off, and just—it's just hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite moments in this film. Mm-hmm. So she calls them up. Then they go to Dustin Hoffman and Cuba Gooding Jr. fly off to her house, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then there's a whole rigmarole where they have to shoot the monkey. Mm-hmm. They have to tranquilize the monkey, so they need to get the look. They find out the monkey is like in the area since Patrick Dempsey released it into the wild. It's kind of living in this wood outside mm-hmm. the, at the bottom of the garden, and the only person it will come close to is this little girl. Yeah. So there's this great, supposed to be tense, actually fucking hilarious scene where the little girl's crying <laughs> out for the monkey, trying to coax <laughs> the monkey. Cuba Gooding Jr. is fully hiding behind a tree with this like tranquilizer gun, just like mm-hmm. ready to shoot this monkey. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Dustin Hoffman and the, the mom are just like at the window, like just being very serious and being like, oh my God, oh my God. 
so there's a whole very tense scene he almost shoots the little girl but he doesn't and I really hoped he was going to like, oh yeah could have, could have been awful I mean it's a trank it would have just knocked her out it would have been super funny like, yeah yeah wasn't going to kill her uh, but no I mean, if it doesn't kill the monkey it's not going to kill an 8 year old girl no but anyway ultimately Cuba Gooding Jr he gets his action shot he shoots the monkey and we get some good monkey acting the monkey proper like swoons and faints like, <laughs> I enjoyed it yeah yeah this was a well trained monkey well, you know, it's Marcel. He, he's he's pretty good. Yeah, I think I would genuinely say the two monkeys in this film maybe give the best performances because mm. the human actors are all pretty meh. Mm-hmm. Right? The monkeys are really giving me like drama and face and reactions. So, yeah. Can you tell me which camera to talk into? Right there. All right. My name is, is Colonel Sam Daniels. I'm here with uh, Major Salt. We are not infected with the Motaba virus, but many other people are. We have identified the the animal carrying the virus, and we need your uh, help in finding it. The animal that's carrying the Metabo virus is a monkey. This is a photo of the animal. Can you get in close, please? Can you get a shot of it, please? Somebody get in as close as you can. It's a small monkey about the size of a cat. It has a white face. It has dark fur running down its back. Please do not attempt to capture it yourself. Don't even go near it. What you can do is, if you see this monkey, call this number at the Center for Disease Control in Atlanta. The area code is 404, and it's 555-9653. Again, if you see this monkey, do not go near it. Do not... Anyway, so then they have to fly the monkey back to the Cedar Falls, the the town, and this is when we get the helicopter chase, because this is when Donald Sutherland is like, these must be stopped. They must not get back to the village with this antidote. This this is when he just goes full villain, isn't it? Oh yeah, 100% villainy at this point. (laughs) Yeah, because he doesn't even care for rules or anything. He's just like, just kill them. Yeah, he's like, the, Dustin Hoffman's like, we've got the antidote. And he's like, ignore that, just kill him. Like, yeah. what's Donald Sutherland's motivation here? I didn't quite understand. He wants to be right. And he has to be and, correct. Yeah. And he doesn't want somebody with a lower rank than him proving him wrong. Okay, sure. And for that, he's willing to nuke an entire town. Yes, even though that probably, that'll probably mean that the virus is still out there somewhere in the, in the country. Yeah, pretty much. Um, not really fought it through, has he? No. And, like, even as chemical weapons go, you still would like a vaccine. Yeah. Because, like, surely he would realise, like, this could literally take over the whole world if there's no vaccine. And using the science that's in this film, you can only make a vaccine from the source monkey. <laughs> is that, that, that can't be right, is it? That no, can't be no right. I, I, well, you know what? I have no idea. But no. I'm very sure that is not not <laughs> just the case. Yeah, why not just use any? I, don't, I had forgot about that, but yeah, that is ridiculous. Well, there is something to be said for finding patient zero. Sure, okay. I don't know what that something is, but... Uh, but it's not like the monkey's blood just becomes the antidote. It, well, in this it does. In this it does, yeah. This is, that is precisely what happens. Yeah. So they have this whole helicopter fight, like dog fight. It's pretty decent. Yeah. Uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. manages to fly them away, get them to the village in time. They race in. Rene Russo is on. Look, Kevin Spacey's dead. He's gone. Mm. He went full walking dead. Do we actually see him die? We, no, we, we, we don't see him die. We see him like at death's door when Rene Russo is like, saying goodbye to him and he's got the ridiculous... He's just caked in... Fl- it's like they've thrown a bag of flour over him and then fr- <laughs> and then and then sprinkled some mi- mixed nuts, you know, just to, uh-huh. just to look like welts. That's basically what they've done to him. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, so Rene Russo, she's now on death's door. But Dustin Hoffman, he runs in and he's like, I've got the cure. Stay with me, baby. Stay with me. Mm-hmm. And they can develop this cure from the monkey's blood in five, ten minutes. Mm-hmm. 
It really reminded me of that throwaway quote from Contagion when they're like, well, you know, when they explain away, it's like the opposite of that, where they explain away <laughs> the fact that they can't use uh, Matt Damon's blood to create a vaccine. Oh, and that yeah, is, yeah. They're like, oh, well, that takes years and it's very expensive. In this film, it takes five minutes, totally free. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> So they create the antidote. So, but Renee Russo, she's she's just on the brink of death. So, what does Justin Hoffman do? He bravely takes off his hazmat suit, grabs her by the hand, puts a sweaty, clammy, disease hand right up to his mouth, and he's like, for some reason, that gives her the will to live. Well, he's just trying to, yeah, stop her from going to sleep, basically. Yeah, mm-hmm. and she just says, "I just want to touch your face," and so he's like, "Okay, well, you know, either I'm going to die from this bomb in a couple hours." Or we're going to have a cure in a few hours. So, mm-hmm. yeah, may as well just take my suit off and uh, here's my face. Yeah. Wipe it. So she gets preferential treatment. Obviously, she's the first one to get the antidote. Yeah. She's fine. But then it turns out that shock horror, even though the antidote is now working, Donald Sutherland is not letting this go. He no. still wants to nuke this town. Yes. <laughs> so they have to have a st- get back in the helicopter again. <laughs> have another... Which is- absurd that nobody has caught them yet. No! They're just running back and forth. This this town is under martial law and they're just hopping yeah. in out of the helicopter like it's a fucking Uber taxi. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's crazy they haven't been caught. No. So they go back in the air, have another helicopter standoff while the like the the bomber jet is flying into town to nuke mm. the town. And Dustin Hoffman gives this whole rousing speech to the bomber jet guys who they're just like soldiers he's like come yeah. on guys don't don't listen to him we've got the antidote you don't want to do this he, he kind of talks them down mm. donald sutherland's on the other end of the call being like he's kind of saying don't know don't listen to him. he's got a psychosis you've got to finish the mission finish the mission mm. and it's this very tense moment morgan freeman's there having his darth vader kind of crisis of conscience <laughs> you know Pal- palpatine's yep. on the left of him dustin hoffman's is, is skywalker on the right you know <laughs> <laughs> And eventually, yep. eventually, he decides to do the right thing, and he drops this massive hint. He's like, "Well, whatever you do, don't get in front of the bobber jet because then they won't be able to drop it." Yeah, which seems like something that they could have figured out on their own, but you know, whatever. So yeah, what they do. yeah. So then they get in the way, and they're like, "Well, if you're going to bomb this town, but also, also the sky is big. They could yeah. just go slightly just go to around. the left, yeah. sli- like above, down, whatever. Just you know." Slightly out of each other's flight path. It's not difficult to do. And they get past them very easily. Yeah. <laughs> it's not much of a blockade. I, no, guess no, it's, I guess it's enough to show that, like, hey, I'm Dustin Hoffman. I'm willing to give my life for this cause. So mm. pilots, you know, take me seriously. What they should have done, I think, is they should have had all the soldiers who are on the ground. They've now seen that the antidote works, right? All the people who've been like, what, yeah. watching this town die. They should have had all the helicopters come up in like an I'm Spartacus moment. Like uh, you're gonna have to go yeah, through yeah, all yeah. of us. Yeah, that would have been really cheesy in nineties. In, in, yeah. in yeah. But no, they're just like all the two soldiers. They're like, oh well, I guess we'll we'll believe you. And so they drop the bomb, but they accidentally on purpose miscalculate it and just harmlessly nuke the ocean. Yeah, which they do. Very close to the town. Yeah. Enough that, like, that would have blown out all the windows. Oh, yeah. And meaning with that much glass everywhere, that's going to seriously injure and maybe even kill a lot of the residents of that town. Everyone's deaf now. Everyone's profoundly deaf. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's that. Things like... Sucks to be a dolphin. The church spire, like, that's going to fall over. You're going to have to have, like, loads of school fates to buy a new one of those. Mm-hmm. Like, charity fates. It's going to be... It's going to be a rough time for that town. 
I wanted, so this is the end of the film. So they do that. Donald Sutherland gets arrested. You know, Rene Russo recovers. They, yeah. Her and Dustin Hoffman get back together. Thank yeah. God. I was so relieved their relationship <laughs> survives. But then, so then, and that's the end of the film, basically. I really wanted the last shot of the film to be like all that nice stuff wraps up. And then we cut to the town and all the villagers are stood outside this, like you mentioned, this town that's just been like this sonic boom has just like wiped mm. through the town. There's, and it's just like broken glass blood and like bits of dead dolphin and whale and fish and penguin just <laughs> everywhere and everyone's just like what the fuck just happened mm. <laughs> I, that would have been a great like final shot but this isn't that kind of film no but no. uh it is still pretty silly oh it's, yeah it's completely silly and uh, that's yeah that, that's where it ended so yeah yeah i fully enjoyed this this was good silly fun yeah yeah it was <laughs> any more thoughts Nah, 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 I'm done. Let's do drinking games. Okay, let's move on to drinking games. Do you want to go first? Yeah, so first up, I've got an easy... It's an easy one. Drink whenever somebody dies or is implied to die. Sure, yeah. Just anyone... Or when anyone gets infected, maybe? Oh, that's my next one, yeah. Oh, yeah, drink for infection, sure. Okay, my first one is drink for medical malpractice. Oh, yeah. Just any time a doctor or any kind of medical or scientific professionalist film just behaves appallingly by, like, <laughs> removing a hazmat suit in the middle of the room mm-hmm. or while leaving a room. Mm-hmm. Mr. Centrifuge guy just listening to a match and just spraying himself with blood. And then yep. the other doctor telling him, oh, just go on a date with your girlfriend. It's fine. Go to a public <laughs> place. Don't quarantine yourself. You're fine. Yeah. Oh, God, that was ridiculous. Dustin Hoffman, obviously, just taking for granted that Cuba Gooding Jr. is, is not infected when they go to the camp in Africa and just being like yeah not quarantining him at all you just know? fixing a hazmat suit with duct tape yeah I'd be I'd be more concerned if you hadn't freaked out <laughs> yes yeah. it's like no that's wrong he should be better than this <laughs> this yeah, is a definitely. training issue <laughs> um okay next drink I've got drink whenever anybody gives an order oh okay yeah and then double drink if the order later gets ignored yes <laughs> <laughs> Lots of Donald Sutherland. Oh, another great line I got when Donald Sutherland finds out that Dustin Hoffman has left the, the town. He's gone on yeah. his helicopter scavenger hunt with Cuba Gooding Jr. He's like, why didn't you tell me? You, you were asleep, sir. I'm never that asleep. <laughs> yeah. Also, why was he asleep? I love to say they built this rivalry with like him and just like this slightly lower guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that guy was only in for like two scenes. But he had a whole plot in, in those scenes. <laughs> yeah. Like He was introduced, he was shown as being bullied by uh, Donald Sutherland, mm-hmm. and then he got his comeuppance at the end. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, Donald Sutherland's like, you're never going to make General Colonel, not after, not after this. And, yeah. then, and then he's the one who arrests him at the end. He's like, well, I bet this is the happiest day of your life. And he gets a big sm- I don't think he even gets that many lines. He just smirks a lot. Yeah, through. pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, okay, that's a good one. Yeah. Okay, this is my favourite drinking game. I mentioned it before. Drink every time a, a supporting character seizes the moment. Oh, uh, yeah. There were so many, like, one-scene characters who just went to 11 in this movie. It was great. So, yeah. obviously, Mrs. Pananinas is the classic, given his <laughs> odd sassy admin worker. Mm-hmm. Also, um, the ER doctor, when the pet store guy, when he goes into his convulsions and he's like, God damn it, you're going to live! And mm-hmm. he starts shouting all kinds of stuff. It's great. Also, uh, White House guy. You know, in the scene at the White House, we never meet the president, which I was disappointed oh, yeah. by. Yeah. But that one guy who's given that speech, like, I want you to look at these people. Look at them. They should be haunting your nightmares for the rest of your life. He was like, really going for it that He guy. was fully like, I'm going to win an Oscar for this scene. Like, I would have loved it if at the end of that scene, someone was just like, okay, Mr. President, yes, we will do that. Yeah. <laughs> just like, that was the president? That would have been great. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a good reveal. Yeah, sadly yeah. not. 
Uh, and finally, I also noticed that similarly really going for like an Oscar nomination that was never going to happen was uh, Jimbo's girlfriend, Patrick uh, Dempsey's yeah. girlfriend. He's when... dead, isn't he? Oh! oh, for the love of God, say something, Jimbo. Say something, please. Jimbo, not my Jimbo. Oh, Jim, Jimmy, Jim, 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 Jim. I hate that he was called Jimbo. Oh, I know. I know. Oh, it's the worst thing anybody called James can ever do to themselves. He was also dressed like Jimbo from The Simpsons. It was Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Any more? Nah, I'm done. Okay, I had two more. Well, a few more. Drink for helicopters. Yes. All of them. Uh, drink for mullets. This is mm-hmm. a very mullet-heavy movie. I had no idea the mullet lasted until 1995, but it's everywhere in this movie. <laughs> uh, and finally, just for the last scene of the film only, or the, the last fight, the helicopter fight, drink for the word Sandman. Oh, yeah. Every time Donald Sutherland's like, Sandman, Sandman, Sandman. Every, if you get, take a drink every time he says that, you will finish this film hammered. Probably also say the same for Clean Sweep. Yes. Which, by the way, as a code name, it's not <laughs> particularly subtle, is it? No, it, it, it kind of gives itself away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Overall, it's a great film, isn't it? Overall, 10 out of 10, perfect movie, yeah. I highly, highly recommend this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, before we get to sequels... Uh, listeners, just want to let you know that we are available on Patreon.com, um, where if you feel like it, you can support us for as much or as little as you think we're worth. If you do, you get a few bonus things. Mainly, you get a bonus show, where just about weekly, me and John, we do film reviews, basically. They're not very long. They're about 10, 20 minutes, mostly near the 10-minute mark. Some are a bit longer. Yeah, depends what we're seeing, how much we have to say about it. Yeah, basically. Sometimes we care more than others, you know. Yeah, uh, we're taking requests to what to review now. We were doing cinema stuff, but obviously not anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we'll do anything that's on uh, streaming services, basically. Yeah, so if you're kind of on the fence about getting onto the whole Patreon thing, you can literally pay us to watch anything, within yeah. reason. Within reason. <laughs> we're, not, we're not watching any snuff films. If, 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 if it's a TV show, we're going to watch, we'll watch like the first episode. We're not going to watch full seasons, but we will review anything for you while this pandemic is on, so... Hit us up for as little as $2 a month, £2 a month. We'll review anything. Yeah. We'll give anything a go. So, you know, yeah. what do you want us to review? Also, you get a few more things than just a bonus show. But the bonus show is good enough anyway. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, so great. So what more do you want? You get extended versions of the main show. Mm-hmm. You also get a 30-second advert slot if you want to. You can promote your own podcast, your own business, whatever you want. And that'll appear on the main show once a month per person. Mm-hmm. And also on the main show every now and then, we do Patreon um, episodes. Basically, mm-hmm. our Patreon chooses the episode for us. Uh, you can come and guest on it if you want to, but you don't have to. It's up to you. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, all that and more is available at patreon.com slash set. Indeed. Bonjour tout le monde, I'm Finn, and every Tuesday I host a podcast called Passport People, in which I talk to people from around the world about the places that matter to them. What is so special about each location? What makes each place tick? Where are they headed? To join us on our round the world trip, talking to a diverse range of fascinating people from an incredible variety of professional and cultural backgrounds, search for Passport People in Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so who wants to go first? You or me? Uh, I can go first if you want. Yes, because I went first last week. Great. Okay, sure. Go for it. So, um, my sequel this week, I was thinking, it was, it's kind of inspired by a movie I saw as a child that really, much like this with you, a movie I saw, where are you going? Oh, I'm just, sorry, I'm just getting comfy in bed. You're going horizontal? Yeah. Well, a bit more horizontal, yeah. Okay, fine. You good? 
Yeah, I need to pay less attention now. I might turn the light off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> what, you can give me a little bedtime story? All right, well, fine. If you fall asleep, I swear to God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, okay, are you sitting comfortably? <laughs> well, clearly you are. Clearly you are, so I, sh- I shall begin. Uh, <laughs> once upon a time... Uh, actually, no, this is kind of a children's story in a way, because this is much like you... Uh, <laughs> Have you done Outbreak into a kid's movie? Kind of, yeah. So oh, it's, it's inspired by a movie I saw when I was a kid that really traumatised me, a movie called The Plague Dogs. Never heard of it. So it's yeah, it's, it's kind of from the same people who made Watership Down. Mm-hmm. And it makes Watership Down look like the Teletubbies. It is truly horrific. I don't know how it even remotely qualifies as a children's movie, if indeed it does. But no, it's on Disney+. Plus. Uh, no, I don't think it's a Disney movie. <laughs> I'd be very surprised if it was on yeah. Disney+. Plus. I think it was like a BBC thing, but... Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, it's definitely British. But so the plot of the Plague Dogs is you'll see wh- why I made the connection to Outbreak. It's about two dogs in a animal testing facility, mm-hmm. and they escape the animal testing facility. Uh, it's a cartoon. Uh, they escape the animal testing facility, but they don't know that they are carrying a plague that is potentially deadly to humans. Yeah. So they, the army is immediately dispatched to kind of hunt them down immediately. Like, it's a huge uh, crisis, basically. But these two dogs don't know that. They're just innocent dogs, and they're just, like, trying to find love. They, you know, they're both kind of damaged because they've had, like, lots of horrible tests done on them, and one of them's mm-hmm. had, like, got, like, screws in his brain. It's truly disturbing. Um, and these two dogs keep looking for love, and every time they try and meet a human, a human it all just goes horribly wrong. Mm. And it's, it's bleak as fuck, and spoiler alert, at the end, they both die. <laughs> Wow. It is a truly horrendous, upsetting piece of cinema. So I was thinking, very similar could be done with this Okay. Film. So it's the story of the monkeys, then? It is the story of the monkeys, of course, yeah. Have you got um, a title for it, or does that come later? Well, okay, so the best title I could think of is uh, Outbreak 2, Probosis Negative. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was trying to think of, like, a monkey species. I don't think these were probosis, because they're the ones that have noses that look like giant cocks, but, um, you know, I was just thinking... <laughs> I know what exactly species? what you mean, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah but you know, I was, what, what species of monkey has a name that sounds vaguely medical? So, yeah, this is Outbreak 2, Probosis Negative. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, it is based heavily on the plague dogs, with a twist of, like, Disney Pixar in there as well. Yeah. Uh, it's, about, it's about an adolescent monkey princess who, who dreams of living beyond the jungle. So, you know, mm-hmm. classic Disney setup. You've got... Uh, You've got your, your animated monkey, Let's it's, it could be CGI, whatever, voiced by some current pop princess, maybe like Ariana Grande or something, you know, someone appropriate. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Or I don't know, who else is big at the moment? Uh, what are the kids me. listening to? Billie what are the Eilish? kids listening to? Billie Eilish. Oh, yeah. A monkey voiced by Billie Eilish. Perfect. A Disney yeah. princess voiced by Billie Eilish. That's perfect because she's like really depressive, isn't she? Like, you know, song-wise. Her songs are, mm-hmm. a, bit, her songs are a bit bleak. And so maybe this could be like a really depressing version of like a Disney princess movie. Mm-hmm. So she's like the princess of the jungle. Her mum and dad are like the, the king and queen monkeys. Yeah. But she dreams of living a life outside the jungle and, you know, seeing the wider world, you know, classic Disney setup like that. Uh, but her parents always warn, warn her above all else to stay clear of humans. Mm-hmm. Humans are not to be trusted. They are very dangerous. Mm-hmm. And most of this fear comes from the legend of the great reign of fire that devastated their kingdom many generations ago. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, at the beginning, in the 60s, when the bomb gets dropped on the on the infected village, you see all the monkeys running away from the fire. Mm-hmm. So presumably there were some monkey casualties there too. So it's like, these humans be crazy. Where humans are, fire and destruction follows. So stay away from humans, whatever happens. Yep. 
So she doesn't really pay attention to that. She's very fascinated by humans. She kind of romanticizes them. It's a bit like Ariel in The Little Mermaid, how she, you know, that, that kind of whole thing. Yeah. I'm feeling very classic Disney in that way. Uh, so one day she um, she's wandering through the jungle, probably singing some song about how she wishes she could be a bit, she could live life outside the jungle. You know, there'll, there'll be a classic soundtrack. You know, <laughs> I've not pitched any titles, but you know how it goes. But while she's swinging through the forest with whatever her cute animated sidekicks are going to be, maybe and what what would a monkey's sidekick be if it's an animated film? Hmm. Uh, oh. So we've got Monkey Princess. Maybe one, actually, <laughs> maybe one of her is normally fleas. the sidekick. Yeah, maybe one of her, maybe her fleas are her sidekicks. Yeah, yeah. Sort of like a Jiminy Cricket kind of thing. Sure, yeah. Like I'm your conscience. Maybe yeah, or maybe they're just her pals, you know. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Monkeys don't really hang out with other animals that much. No, they don't. And like they're normally because they're small anyway. Mm. Like they don't normally have. Something they are classic sidekicks, yeah. Yeah. Um, let's say it's the fleas, whatever. Yeah. It doesn't matter. The sidekicks don't play a major role in this. Maybe but, it's, so she, oh, 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 maybe maybe it is the fleas, but it's like loads of fleas that can kind of come together and form shapes. Ooh, okay. They're like a collective conscience. Yeah. Do you remember the fish in Finding Nemo? Like the, the, yes. the school of fish? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or yeah, like okay. in Rick and Morty, that ants creature, a thousand ants. Yes, million ants I like or whatever. it. That's yeah, that works. Okay, yeah. I like that. That's that's entirely what it is. Perfect. Um, so she's swinging through the jungle, singing some Disney crap about you know wishing she could see the wider world, and she encounters a little human girl from the village mm-hmm. uh, who's wandered into the jungle and got lost. Yeah. And so our monkey princess, who I've not named, I mean she's called Betsy once she becomes a, she goes to America, but so we, let's just call her Betsy for lack of confusion. Yeah. So Princess Betsy, she finds this human girl. Uh, and she's obviously fascinated. It's her first time seeing a human. She's never been allowed near the village before. Uh, and so she spots her and they interact. You know, they have, they, maybe they have a find a way to communicate. You know, she, they have, I'm thinking like a nice little scene where they can touch fingers and all that kind of stuff, you mm-hmm. know. And, it's, and they become friends. They strike up an immediate connection, basically. Yeah. And so she's fascinated. But just as they are making this connection, the little girl's older brother comes running into the jungle to find her. Obviously, mm-hmm. he's been tracking, he's, he's been sent in to get her back mm-hmm. and immediately tries to like shoo Betsy away. He's like, get away from my sister, you, you know, dirty ape, whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so you he's damn kind of, dirty ape. You damn dirty ape, you damn dirty ape. So he, so he's, this older brother shoos Betsy away. In doing that, he accidentally disturbs a cloud of vampire bats who are nesting nearby. <laughs> and they immediately like start attacking him and the little girl. They start scratching and biting at them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Betsy Jump swings into action, f- helps to fight them off, saves the day, and the vampire bats fly away. And yeah. so now, now she's proven that she's you know she's a good person. She she's a good monkey. Uh, the boy and the girl thank her, and then they go back to the village. Betsy has also been bitten by the vampire bats in the process, but oh, and, yeah, she feels a little bit woozy, but she's ultimately she recovers. She doesn't it have any particular ill effects. Yeah. So yeah, the little boy, the little girl in a older brother they find her and they go back to the village and betsy goes back to the monkey kingdom and she tells everyone oh i met a human it's amazing and then her mum and dad like fully you know put the foot down like no you must never see her again you must never see her again you know, mm. cla- again standard basic little mermaid plot i'm really just doing that at this point um <laughs> it, it, you know it, it moves on then the next day of course what does she do she breaks the rules she goes back to the human village to kind of see the little girl again mm-hmm. so she's really excited but when she gets there what, what does she find a village full of corpses. Oh, the disease has swept through the village. Everyone's dead. The little girl, the brother, everyone. This entire village is just wiped out. Oh. 
So obviously she's very horrified and traumatized and she races away into the jungle, like screaming and crying and like confused, whatever. And as she's racing through the jungle, she's not paying attention, runs into a smuggler net. (laughs) Great. Ends up on a boat in a cage Mm -hmm. en route to America. So as you probably gathered, what I'm kind of going with here is that it's basically the plot of the original film, but from the perspective of the monkey, obviously. And it's much like what happens in this horrible film, The Plague Dogs. Um, Every time she meets a human, she befriends it, and then the human ends up dead. (laughs) So it's a very dark Disney movie, if it is indeed a Disney movie. So obviously then there's going to be Patrick Dempsey, Jimbo, who, Mm -hmm. you know, he's ultimately he's quite kind to her you know as much as he's trying to sell her yeah. you know he he's treats her pretty nicely and she maybe she bonds with him as well and then you know they have that little moment in the car when she's playfully spitting water at him because she doesn't know <laughs> she doesn't know she's this she's contagious mm-hmm. so you know she accidentally scratches the uh, the pet store guy when he handles her too roughly and whatever so then she's then patrick dempsey kind of releases her into the wild and she's like oh thank you i'll never i'll never forget you little mm-hmm. does she know within an hour he dead um, <laughs> Uh, and then so she spends some time in the in the wild forests of California maybe she runs into like a friendly bear or something or a not so friendly bear I don't know she's out of her element but ultimately she ends up knocking at the window of this other little girl who reminds her of the the little girl from the village and that's the little girl obviously who befriends the monkey in the film Mm -hmm. who inadvertently saves the day and yeah so she befriends this little girl she's she's really scared that what happened before is going to happen again so she's like she doesn't know that that she's contagious but she's you know she's really nervous she doesn't she's doesn't know why this keeps happening to her, but she's she's just learning to trust again. She's just very tentatively learning to trust this little girl again. Yeah. And so she you know she starts to really believe that, that she's got a true friend now. Maybe this, she's finally found a home. Mm-hmm. Next thing she knows, she gets shot. Aww. <laughs> With a trank. Oh, poor monkey. Next thing she so she, she comes around. She's in a helicopter. This is new. She doesn't know what this is. <laughs> she's in a there's some kind of dog fight happening. Yeah. She's, you know, don't imagine that from this confused, bewildered monkey's perspective, you know, <laughs> getting flown all over the place. She does, she's never flown before. She doesn't know what's going on. Mm. And then she gets, but she survives that. She gets taken to the, the town, Cedar Valley. She gets, her, her, her blood gets drained out of her. She gets, mm-hmm. uh, and then they create the vaccine, she, but she doesn't know. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I guess what the, the big question is what happens to her at the end? Because we never find out what happens to, to Betsy at the end of the film. Mm, no. I mean, realistically, she probably ends up in a either dead or in a animal testing facility. Realistically, you know. I think they'll probably put her down and cremate her body. Yeah. So, and, and which is in the in the plague dogs, what happens is the dogs they're running, you know, they're on the run. There's a horrible scene where the dogs find a friendly farmer who doesn't know that they're plague dogs, mm. and he's like out with his, he's got like a gun, like you know, he's he's out shooting grouse or whatever, you know. Just typical mm-hmm. farmer stuff and he's like here boy here boy here boy and one of the dogs like runs up to this farmer like to jump up and lick him jumps up to the farmer accidentally hits his paw on the gun shoots the farmer in the head oh my god <laughs> this is a children's this is a children's movie I- i'll send you clips it's truly horrifying um, please don't okay fine. <laughs> but at the end of the plague dogs the dogs end up trapped they get cornered they end up on the beach that's it they're on the beach and they can't there's nowhere to go and the army have like surrounded the beach and the dogs swim out into the into the sea mm. and the film just ends with them swimming out into the sea towards the sun and they think the sun is an island that they can get to because mm-hmm. they're dogs and they're naive mm. and the, the, the film literally ends with them drowning and that's the end of the film wow <laughs> wow yeah this film i should not have watched this film truly upset me when i was a child yeah that doesn't surprise me at all god i'm never watching this no, it's really horrid. Um, but yes, I don't know what we could give it. Should something similar happen to 
the monkey. Maybe she, maybe she thinks she's found a forever home. She's getting driven back with Cuba Gooding Jr., who she's learned to trust because he's really nice. Mm. And she's like, he'll take care of me. I trust him. And then at the end of the film, we just see her hand, see Cuba Gooding Jr. hand over her cage to the exterminators. And Aww. then boom, credits roll. And that's Aww. the end of Poor Betsy. I thought of something a bit darker as well, kind of based Go off on. what you just said. Mm-hmm. So like, near the end of the original film, they get the they get her blood or whatever they get her vaccine and they mm. just I don't know maybe they just let her go like hey she's not diseased anymore it's fine we can just let this monkey go sure and so irresponsible she, but sure and, and 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 so then her thing is to just run to the sea for whatever reason and then she sees the sun setting and she thinks that's an island she swims out to sea <laughs> thinking that's an island and then they get this massive bomb dropped on her. <gasps> Oh my god, I thought you were just like lazily copying the play dogs, but no, that is perfect, yes! That is brilliant, yes, she get there's a whole, yeah, okay, yeah, I've got it, there's a whole sub, Betsy's story oh, continues. so awful though. That is awful, yeah. It's so, so bad, so contrived as well. Yeah, so yeah, so she gets her blood taken, she gets her blood taken out of her, they develop the vaccine, blah, 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 and then they leave, then she's kind of waiting to be exterminated, you know, they're like, okay, what, what happens to them, what hap-? they're like, okay, we've got the vaccine, what do you want to do with this monkey? Oh my god, take it outside and shoot it and burn mm. the body, yeah, and then she, whether she understands that or not, she manages to, she gets wind that things aren't going well. She escapes. Mm. She she the cage has been left unlocked or something. Maybe yeah. Cuba Gooding Jr. in a moment of mercy left the cage unlocked for her. Just mm-hmm. like go free, go free. So she jumps out the cage, jumps out the window, like you mentioned, runs to freedom. She doesn't know where to go. There's army soldiers everywhere. She panics. She sees the sun over the over the horizon of the, mm-hmm. of the lake. She swims out. Monkey's never swum before, but you know she 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 figures it out. She's swimming. <laughs> she's swimming. She's swimming. And then boom, yeah, bomb gets dropped. <laughs> Betsy is no more. End credits. <laughs> oh dear. A feel good classic for all the family. <laughs> yeah. Pixar's next movie. <laughs> Brilliant. So is that your idea then? Yes, yeah, so that was Outbreak 2, Proboscis Negative. Ah, okay, cool. Very good. Yeah. Thank you. Oh. oh, he's getting up again. He's taking this, this bit seriously. <sighs> okay, so in mine, um, we're going to start with a little prologue of the monkey. Okay. okay. Are you also doing it from the monkey's perspective? Um, only for a little bit. Okay. Um, so it leaves the uh, the little girl's house, indicating mm-hmm. that this takes place before the end of the original movie, but during. Okay. And there's eerie music playing, like it's not, it's not a big, it's not a happy-go-lucky kids' cartoon thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this music builds and builds until eventually we see the monkey doing the worst thing it could possibly do, getting down with another monkey in a zoo. What having sex? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So yeah. it's so has Betsy been kidnapped or she just found her way to a zoo? Just found her way to a zoo. Okay. Just like, you know, she's been hanging out with this 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 little girl in the house. Oh, I see. So this is before before she's been tranquilized. Junior and yeah, before she gets caught and comes the vaccine. It's yeah. just in the mean, in the interim she found a local zoo. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh that monkey that uh that 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 monkey at the zoo that she has sex with. Well, he contracts the disease essentially. Sure. Yeah. He then, I don't know, maybe he maybe he throws his poo at another monkey or whatever. Great, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, infects another monkey, and that monkey then escapes the zoo and gets on a train, and it's all very emotional. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's sad, it's raining, this monkey's being shipped away from home, and they're all alone and very unhappy. Well, sorry, how did the monkey get on a train? You know what, I'm not sure how the monkey got on a train, but the monkey gets on a train. <laughs> 
is the monkey on a train like you said it escaped so it's not like the monkey's been put in a crate on a train it's just like boarded a train yeah it just escaped, just escaped the zoo went to the first place it could find shelter which was a train maybe it was parked up at a time and then it wakes up and that train's moving somewhere and now the monkey doesn't know where it is. Oh, okay. So it's not like he's just boarded the train like a passenger, like with a little, like you're wearing human clothes. Like. <laughs> no. That was my mental image. No, it's just, <laughs> it thinks it's people. Yeah. Oh, okay. So what you're actually telling me is that the monkey, it's like, yeah, it falls asleep on like a, sto- one of those oldie worldy kind of trains that's like carrying like... Um, yeah, a freight train. Freight train. That's what I was looking for. Thank you. It falls yeah. asleep on a freight train. The freight train moves. Okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, so the next morning at sunrise, as this monkey wakes up, it doesn't know where it is. It's very confused Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's lost all its friends and everything like that. We see the train arriving towards the New York City skyline. (gasps) And we get the title, Outbreak 2, The Virus Takes Manhattan. Ah, I see where you've made found some inspiration here. (laughs) So does this monkey, are you given a celebrity voice? Um, <laughs> well, we're, we're mostly done with the monkey now. Oh, okay, fine. Uh, no, it's it, no, it's it's not the monkey story. Okay, fine. So it's just a silent monkey. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, so thirty years later. Mm-hmm. By the way, I looked it up. Monkeys of this breed—they generally live for about twenty to forty years. So okay, so it could still be alive. Yeah. Okay. So you know, thirty years later or whatever, present day. Mm-hmm. 90s present day oh no no sorry that was the 90s this is the present okay okay yeah sure so present day 2020 okay I get it sorry I was, I was confused for a moment mm-hmm. okay we are introduced to our main character mm-hmm. um, who is a army commander mm-hmm. known as John Hardman John Hardman great name mm-hmm. yeah played by Jean-Claude Van Damme oh excellent is that what his name was in Friends I have no idea Okay, fine. I made up John Hardman. I, I thought it was a suitable name. That is, I mean, it's the it's, it's the ultimate Van Damme name, John Hardman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he is a commander of a squadron in the army consisting of uh, three people. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking to cast Sam Rockwell. Sure. Uh, Ewan Rayon. Mm-hmm. And Michael B. Jordan. All good choices. Mm-hmm. What accent is Ewan McGregor giving us in this performance? You misheard me. I said Ewan Rayon, as in oh. Ramsey Bolton. Oh, okay. I, f- I thought you said Ewan McGregor, so you cut out a little bit from him in there. Mm. No, Ewan Rayon works too. Okay. What accent he's, is he giving us? Welsh. Welsh. Okay, he's full yeah. Welsh. Okay. Just a, a strong Welsh accent. Sam Rockwell, he can just do whatever he pleases. Yeah, just he's Sam Rockwell, go. he can do it. Michael yeah. B. Jordan. Actually, can Michael B. Jordan do accents? I've not seen him in that many things. I don't know if I've seen him shy. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway. So they're on a training exercise in a New York barracks where they have to main- maintain control of a panicking crowd of civilians, which mm-hmm. is now common practice after the events of uh, Setter Creek. Oh, sure, yeah. Because, you know, quite publicly, there was a big virus outbreak in in California 30 years ago, and so now that's the kind of thing they need to practice. Mm, absolutely. Jean-Claude Van Damme is very good at his role, but his three subordinates aren't very good at working as a team. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a bit of rivalries going on, stuff like that. But anyway, we cut, cut away to the main plot of this film, which is an office on the 80th floor of the Empire State, State Building, mm-hmm. where an unnamed man, played by David Schwimmer, comes into work boasting about this new pet monkey that he's bought himself. In 2020? Yes. Okay. Nobody really cares, and it becomes very clear that this 
unnamed David Schwimmer character, who could be called Ross, who knows, um, isn't very popular in the, with the office crowd and is a bit of a try-hard nerd. Ah, okay. That night, he goes home and clearly gets a bit lonely um, mm-hmm. with, the, with the monkey. Not in that oh, way. Oh, oh, oh Not God. in that okay. way. But he shares a plate of food with it. Oh, And dear. Uh, even eating some of the food that the monkey has taken a bite of already. Oh, David, what are you doing? I know. Classic outbreak mistake. The next day, he comes into work sweaty, clearly very ill. Though nobody really cares or notices. Because... <laughs> Yeah, no, nobody sends him home and asks if he's okay. No one really likes him, so, you know. No. He's one of those just nobody pays any attention to. Yeah. Like George Costanza's appearance in Friends as well. Yeah, I was thinking that too, yeah. <laughs> so he goes about his day his day of work as, let's just say, a transponster. Doesn't really matter. Sure. And uh, by lunchtime, he's coughing quite badly and has actually infected the whole floor. During the afternoon, he collapses over by the water cooler. People only notice because the water cooler also falls over. And causes a minor flood. <laughs> Someone calls an ambulance, but by the time the medics get there, the whole floor have agreed that they have come down with something and are all sweating profusely. The medics call it in and they shut down the floor, hoping to contain whatever disease this is. Ooh, like an Empire State quarantine situation. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. I'm just on the 80th floor, though, for now. Okay, yeah. Yeah, because in a world where people know about what the Metaba virus was back in the 90s, People mm-hmm. are much more ready to just be like, okay, lockdown, lockdown right now. Sure, yeah. Which, you know, it works. The army is called, and of course, who should pick up? None other than John Hardman himself. They are the nearest team to New York, and so they arrive within minutes. They enforce the quarantine of the 80th floor and command the hospitals to provide all medical equipment and supplies needed to deal with this virus. He must need a very specialised hazmat suit. Jean-Claude Van Damme? Yeah, he's a pretty big guy. I guess, yeah. Imagine, like, sw- it's like the rock in a hazmat suit. It's just going to look weird. <laughs> He's bulging out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how he gets infected. He's just too gamble. <laughs> he flexes. <laughs> yeah. Not again, Jean-Claude. <laughs> anyway, um, loads of ambulances arrive downstairs, and they fill up the elevators with medical equipment, like fold-up beds, the serum from the original film, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, better quarantine equipment to seal off the floor. Because mm-hmm. meanwhile, the surrounding floors, they've been evacuated you know, away from them. Up, the floors above have been evacuated up, the floors below just evacuating the building. Mm-hmm. Um, after administrating the serum to the infected a few hours ago, nobody seems to be showing any signs of healing. All right. And so Ewan Rayon, who is the most scientific of um, John Hardman's team, he looks up from his microscope and declares that the virus is mutated. Oh, not again. And that he needs to find patient zero to make a new vaccine. Mm-hmm. So, one of the so medics, patient zero is the monkey? Yeah. One of the medics instructs him that, uh, that Ross is the furthest along and so likely received the virus for anybody else. Ewan checks Ross's desk and he finds a picture of a pet monkey. Ross is fully dead now, right? Probably, yeah. Okay, Had, sure. Hadn't it? Doesn't matter. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Ewan leaves the building and goes to find Ross's apartment to go and find the monkey. Mm-hmm. Meantime, back on the 80th floor, a fire alarm goes off. <laughs> Just one thing after another going on there. Yeah, yeah. Turns out that a, f- a few floors below them, on the 60th floor, a fire has happened. Are you tying this in with Skyscraper? Taking inspiration from. Okay, sure. Yeah. Not tying it in, just in- inspired by. So, okay. standard protocol for such an event um, is to evacuate evacuate everybody, of course. Um, if you can't get below the fire, then you're supposed to go as high in the building as possible. And oh, I see. Wait okay. until the fire department can... Uh, 
put out the fire and then obviously you can leave. Is that actually what you're supposed to do in a real skyscraper fire situation or is that just something they did in that film? I have made this up. Okay, so I'm just wondering because <laughs> that... I, I, would it I mean, it's also, it's also not really what happens in skyscraper because that's not no, true. a thing. Yeah, so obviously John Hardman can't evacuate his floor up to the top of the building mm-hmm. because they're all deadly sick. Yes. And there are other people in the building who are being evacuated to the very top and are being ah. slowly slowly evacuated in helicopters one by one. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's going to take ages. Yeah, so we, maybe you got a little bit of montage on Claude Van Damme doing some, doing some maths on a whiteboard, working <laughs> out the rate that people are leaving the building and the rate that the fire is, is growing up the building. And like, we don't have enough time. We don't have okay, enough beds. If we're having a whiteboard moment, can we have a can we have a moment where he angrily throws his cup of coffee at the whiteboard just just as a little homage <laughs> to the original? Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. So the fire department they can't contain the flames, mm. and uh, the flames actually spread all the way up to the sixty fifth floor. That getting closer and closer. Mm-hmm. Are we gonna have like a countdown of the floors, like, like in the side of the screen? Like, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Van Damme's other other two guys, Sam Rockwell and Michael B. Jordan, they go and try and attack the fire from the top, trying to trying to put it out that way, but it doesn't work. They both get badly burnt. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so now they just need to make the decision, do we evacuate everybody up to the top, or do we just let these people who are potentially going to die just burn to death anyway and mm-hmm. get ourselves out? You have to make a very sticky situation, a, a sticky decision. Mm-hmm. That's what I've got to you so far. Okay. Um, I've got I've got a few more little ideas in my head, mm-hmm. and I wasn't really sure where to take it. Okay, so they're up. To, so, the, so the fire is rising upwards, ever upwards. Yeah, and are there still people above waiting to be? Is that still happening? They're still they're still like yeah, there, yeah. There, there there are still people who are not infected who are being evacuated from the building. So the just this they're kind of trapped in this one floor, and death is happening all around them, and also the fire is spreading very quickly. Yeah, if they stay yeah. where they are, they'll die in an hour. Right. If they get higher, they'll you know they'll burn to death in a bit longer of a time, but they'll potentially infect other people. Okay, so I think there should be a doesn't really a villain in this film yet. I think there should definitely be a villainous yes. member of the so team. So the villain is going to be uh, Donald Sutherland. Oh, is it still? Yep, okay. he's back. Same guy. Same guy. Yep, he's mm-hmm. he, he's back. He's bitter about what happened first time, okay. and so now what he wants to do is he wants to unleash the virus. He initially wanted to unleash the virus to the whole of New York. Right. But somehow it got contained in this one building, and so somehow he is behind the fire that is currently pushing this virus out of the building. Oh, I see. So so what he, what he wants to do is he wants John Hardman to evacuate everybody out of the building into mm-hmm. another building so the virus can spread. Okay. I was thinking it might be that there was a debate about, okay, we've got this deadly virus... Why don't we just leave all these sick people and let the bar- let this fire burn them out? Mm. Like, let's just let them all die, and the fire will destroy the disease, and then we're all good. So it's like a moral thing. Yeah. But he's like, no, I won't, I won't leave these sick people. We can still save them. Yeah, no man left behind. Yeah, exactly. So I was thinking that could work, but I don't know if that would work if Donald Sutherland act- actively wants people... Maybe it's both. Maybe Donald Sutherland has got that scheme. He's he's trying to force them into taking these sick people out into the public. Mm. Meanwhile, maybe you and you and Ray face you and Ray Maybe he's like, look, we just need to leave them. They're going to die either way. Yeah. Van Damme's under pressure to just leave these people behind, which is actually playing straight into evil Donald Sutherland's hands. But he has to figure out he 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 really doesn't want to leave these people. He has to find an alternative. Maybe mm. one of the victims on this floor was his ex-wife. 
Oh, great, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that works. He's not seen her for 20 years, whatever. She's taking a job in the city. And just by coincidence, it happens to be the floor that gets infected. Yes, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But maybe it turns out that when uh, when you and you and Rayan goes to uh, Ross's apartment and finds the monkey, mm-hmm. he gets the monkey and that's all good and everything. But he does then report back, hey, clearly this guy has been... Uh, is is a very sad and lonely man who's been bullied a lot by his colleagues. Sure. And then Jean-Claude Van Damme's like, maybe these are horrible people. Maybe they deserve to die. <laughs> There's a reason I divorced I divorced that woman and then she got a job here. <laughs> yeah. And then <laughs> he's like, bye. Yeah. yeah he maybe. just jumps out, in a, gets his parachute, floats to safety. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Could yeah, like that, that could work. Yeah, just, just have a, a weird, like, underwhelming shock ending where it's like, yeah, well, no, they all died. Yeah. Sounds right. I mean, like I said, I've left this two ways. And so, you know what, listeners, you can decide yourself. If you were John Hardman, would you let those people <gasps> Sorry, burn and thought, die? This, I've just thought, this, exact, this entire movie you've described all goes the way you said it is. It's a bandersnatch. It's a choose-your-own-adventure. It's a choose-your-own, yeah, it's a choose-your-own-ethical-dilemma movie. Yeah. Yep, Starring no, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah. And a monkey. So, listeners, you decide. Yeah. Do you save the people? But potentially, in fact, you know, millions. Mm-hmm. But there might be a cure. Who knows? But there might not. You, you don't know. Or you let, you let, you know, these 50 people burn to death and, you know, the world is saved. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Yeah. But anyway, that is Outbreak 2, The Virus Takes Manhattan. I like it. I, I really, I'm really hung up on the idea of it being like a Bandersnatchy choose your own adventure. I think that's that, that, like one of those for, for like an action movie would be really fun. I wish they'd make more of those. Yeah, I guess it's just a nightmare to edit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'd definitely like to see more. I'm sure they'll do it again at some point. Yeah, yeah, it'd be good. Cool. Brilliant, okay. So have you got any list and submissions then? Uh, we do, yes. Do you have any? No. You don't? Okay, so do I have any list and submissions is what you were saying? Yes. Fortunately, I do. Did you forget to post it or just nothing came through? I just, I, I didn't even try and post it. The last one didn't get approved. Oh, of course. Your place is weird about... Um, yeah. Virus. Fortunately, um, our regular listeners are not. So we have a few here. Uh, so, sequels to Outbreak. Ben Stevens said, gestures wildly at everything. <laughs> yeah. Ronald Hamilton said, Outbreak 2, just stay inside. <laughs> Spotting a theme here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Melissa Becker said, a bunch of monkeys have to capture an infected human to stop the disease from spreading back <laughs> to them. So it's like role reversal. Yeah, I like that. I like that. That's yeah. very good, yeah. Robbie Daggett said, Outbreak in two, infectious boogaloo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Rachel Jackson said, Outbreak two, pre existing condition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Over on Twitter, at Cinema Adventure Pod said, The coronavirus a year from now. I want to know how we fix this bullshit. <laughs> so, a movie about the coronavirus set in 2021 when it's yep. all over, hopefully. Yep. That would help. Yeah. Uh, one good thing, at OGT Pod said, the virus is out of hand. The media's in a frenzy. But one superbly tanned heroic president knows this is a liberal hoax designed to crush the flat earthers once and for all. So, with a gun in one hand and the American eagle in the other, he cuts tax <laughs> for big business and everything works out just fine. <laughs> and finally, at Benny2TS said, I don't know, but I want Marcel to feature heavily. So, of course. guess that means he'd like my one. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> both ones had monkeys in them, but mine was definitely more monkey heavy. So. Mm. Cool. So thank you everybody for those sequel ideas. We ask for your listener submissions every week, a few days before we record, by putting posts out on Facebook and Twitter where you can post your ideas. So make sure you like and follow our pages if you don't want to miss out. 
To listen to more episodes of Beyond the Box Set, you can subscribe and browse our back catalogue on any podcasting platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and many others, all of which you can also leave us a five-star review, which we really appreciate. It really helps us to reach new listeners. As mentioned, we're also available on Patreon, which is exclusively for the people who would rate us more than five stars if they could. You can find all those links in the description below or as our brand spanking new website, beyondtheboxset.com, designed by Harry. Where you can also find uh, a bunch of pub quizzes. Yes, our pub quizzes. One thing to keep you busy while you're cooped up inside. Just, uh, yeah, log on. We've got about 20, maybe 21 now, pub quizzes. Um, each 50 questions, and that's a good way to kill, I don't know, an hour at a time, maybe. Yeah, I'm ad- adding to them all the time as well, so keep checking back. So, yeah, all that at beyondtheboxset.com. And next week, Harry... We've just watched two movies that are, you know, in some ways quite close to the current, you know, situation in the world. Yes. Are we going to have something a bit more lightweight next week? A little bit of a little bit of fun, a little bit of optimism and sh- sunshine in this, uh, you know, disturbing and depressing time. See now, as delightful as that sounds. Oh no. <laughs> it's just, it's not where I've decided to go. Oh man. No. Fine. Um, what are you doing? Cooped up indoors, and so I thought, why not do why not do probably the most unhealthy thing possible and do a whole theme on horror movies? Oh joy! Okay. Something we something we have not specifically done before. So just horror, classic horror movies with no sequels, no not no specific themes, not werewolves or zombies, just anything horror related. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I mean, sure. we, we, we could make it good horror movies, or ridiculous horror movies, or just a mishmash of everything. Let's just do a mishmash. Let's keep, keep let's at least keep this a bit, you know, let, let's keep it open. Okay, sure. Sure. All right. Well, either way, the first one that I'm going to pick, which I think a lot of people might enjoy, mm-hmm. Get Out. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's, that, that, that's actually a good one. That, that, that's one that's... Uh, yeah, it's been like two years, hasn't it, since we saw that, so it's probably due a rewatch. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that should be interesting. Great. Yeah, but that's and been also, on my list for quite a while, so hopefully that'll be also, fun. Also, again, thank you, another thematically good one, because what do we want to do now more than anything? Get out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stay in. That's mm-hmm. my sequel. I'm pitched already. Stay in. The sequel's again. <laughs> cool. Okay, well, I guess that's that. So, uh, yeah, thanks a lot, listeners, and uh, stay safe, stay healthy, wash your hands, and uh, join us next week for Get Out. Yeah. See you next time, guys. Bye. <laughs> Bye. set out to sea already, sir. So what? How are we going to locate it? I got a friend in the Coast Guard. I can make a call easy. How close a friend? Closer than his wife would like.